Hi, welcome to CML Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today, as our guest, we have Christy Maloney, who is Chief Marketing Officer at Telesign. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, you, I, this is now, you've had a distinguished marketing career, but I think what back in September, you joined Telesign as Chief Marketing Officer. This is your first time, yeah? It as- is. It is, and it's uh, it's been on my vision board for years, and so it's pretty cool to be able to cross something off on a vision board, for sure. That's also a lot of a lot of young women they dream of uh, being a rock star, being a scientist, <laughs> being a doctor. You knew you knew from a very young age you were going to be a chief marketing officer. Yeah, I did. Um, I uh, in seventh grade, actually, I remember career day and we were flipping through a, a filing system. Right. So we're we're dating ourselves here. And I remember picking out the card that said public relations. And since seventh grade, I stuck with that as as a track and I majored in public relations with the emphasis in marketing and advertising and just continued on that track. Now, I always said if money was no object, I'd be a lounge singer. But until then, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick on the track that I'm on. I, I think the cruise ships are still hiring. So if this thing doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's right. My my husband works for Disney and I'm constantly auditioning. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Well, they, they certainly have a lot of properties. So, yeah, yes, yes. Um, so now that you are a, a, a chief marketing officer, uh, you're probably getting measured on everything, right? So uh, one of the things that you and I were talking about are benchmarks. Yes. And where I believe that even though that's like we, we still need to be measured, the benchmarks aren't effective like they used to be. Why is that? So. I continue to try to educate those around me that I do think that the benchmark as we know it is is dead. And the reason I say that is, you know, the last two years have been quite an anomaly, right? We can't pretend like we don't know that the last two years have really made us rethink how we do things, rethink how we measure, And so to do a year-over-year comparison, it's still good, right? It still gives you a frame of reference, but I think things are changing so much that it is unfair. And I also think that we're evolving in how we should measure. So if, for example, it's if marketing is being measured on leads, 100 leads, okay, year-over-year, Oh, well, last year you only did 80 leads and this year you did 100. Well, you know, not all leads are created equal. So the 80 to the 100, maybe I only need to bring in 10 big whales and I've hit the total contribution of revenue. And so I think it's both of those of such a switch in the tactics that we're using because we have to. Things are no longer all about in-person and the evolving there, but it is also the education, I think, on marketing's role and telling our teams what we want to be measured on that makes sense and contributes to the total company goal. So, um, so but, and that makes sense, but what about this concept of having all this research, whether it's partner, serious decisions, and so on, and they say, well, 
best in class firms should be doing converting at this rate, or they should have this percentage of the marketing spend on this. So you're saying even that that's not helpful. Why? Why is that not helpful? I think it's helpful again, but I I use it as one point of reference. I think as much as we would like to say all SaaS companies should be at six to eight percent marketing spend to revenue. Not all of the business models are the same. Not all of the profit models are the same. The cost of goods. And so, of course, we use that when we're going into finance to ask for the budgets. But at the end of the day, I always look at this. This is a math problem. If I know what my pipeline targets are and I know what my cost per lead is, well, I can back into that to tell you, I think I could do that with X amount of dollars, but I have to push what the conversion rate is going to be. That if you give me a million dollars for a small amount of pipeline contribution, well, my conversion can be lower than that, as opposed to right now, I know I need to be converting 20 to 30% of the MQLs to SQLs and SQLs to a uh, an opportunity. So again, I use them as a guidepost, but I really do believe, you know, not that we're saying that you know, we're so unique, but there's always a little bit of a nuance in ramp time and onboarding for new customers. It is different for every company. So I use them, but I have to blend it with a lot of other dynamics as well to get there. Yeah, I, I always found maybe potentially as a directional indicator, but not as an absolute. Yes. Uh, there's so many factors. Uh, pricing strategy, the makeup Correct. of your sales team, whether you sell through a channel or indirect. Yes. Uh, experience of the management team, competitive markets, regulations. Uh, there's so many factors. All of that. that can yes, impact. all of that. Um, so to say, well, everyone else is converting this from 20 to you know, at 20%, so we should be able to be too. Maybe, maybe not, right? Right. And, you know, you always have to be prepared for the question that you're going to get from the board for the rest of the management team is great. I love your stats. Is that good? <laughs> what should I be taking from this? So you have to have that the story and the narrative around it ready. But again, to your point, it is the I'm looking at it. It's definitely there. Um, but I've gotten a lot of pushback when I quote those things. I get the question of, yeah, but we're not exactly the same. And I can't disagree with that. So I've got to have a couple of other proof points as well. Now, this marketing today is hard, as you know. Um, so much pressure on a marketer to account, be accountable, manage technology, drive demand, do all these other things. Along the way, do you think, though, that we've lost part of the art part of marketing, like the actual story, the emotional connection to our customer? Have we become so focused about technology and data and, and data-driven decision-making that we forgot how, how to actually be creative and create emotion? Absolutely. And I think anytime I've, I'm asked the question, is marketing an art or science, it is 100% both. <laughs> and if you are just looking at it from churning through and getting the leads and progressing them on, if you're not telling a story, if you're not outlining what is the, you have the pain, we have the aspirin. 
if we're not actually explaining that and who we are, our job, number one, is to open the virtual doors for sales. And so if I'm not creating brand and thought leadership and analyst support, it's an uphill battle. And so, yes, we get so focused on the conversion and the pie charts and the illustrations of our numbers. But at the end of the day, I do need to show you what I'm doing from a brand, from a share of voice. And I would love to say that every dollar I spend in the comms world is going to return back. Well, yes, I can show influence along the way. And so I want to get those metrics in place, but we can't lose the fight on, we should still be testing. We should still be doing A-B testing, which means one of them's not going to do well. <laughs> and we should be able to just fail fast, use the metrics to provide insight, but not completely live and die by them. Because I do think that the art of what is working and what is resonating I don't want to lose that. I, I became a marketer because I'm a storyteller and I'm creative. And I always said, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to be in marketing because I'm bad at math. And then all of a sudden we have to actually be almost mathematicians as well, but we have to be good storytellers internal. So people understand the role of marketing and then obviously external to create the halo effect for everybody out there that's doing the selling. Why do you think even when we're telling the story, we still focus from our point of view, like as if we're the only characters in the story and we don't connect with empathy. We don't really tell it from the customers because after all, they're the ones that are buying, but we seem to focus so much on our product, our service, our features, our benefits, coming up with new three acronyms, which after all these years, I'm still amazed there are ever more. Right. Oh, uh, yes. yes. Why why do you think we do that? I think it's, it's old habits, right? It's what we know. We know our own products really, really well. And I think there's a little bit of a fear of if I get it wrong in guessing what your problem is and how we can solve it, we're a little bit worried about uh-oh, then that's going to you know, have people stand back and, and not want to do business with us. Um, I just did a keynote on storytelling, and I actually said, treat the story and the pitch as though you were writing a screenplay. And it's not a one-man show. It's a screenplay that has a cast of characters. And so to actually write down what is the role that I'm going to play as the person pitching, telling the story, my customer, my prospect, the press, what role are they playing? And when you know you've hit that nirvana stage is when you start telling the story together because you've done your research, you're asking those questions, right? It should be two to three hours of research before you get on the phone with somebody to where they have a role in this story. And whether or not it is that it happens right out of the gate, but you got to be asking those questions along the way. And that's where customer advisory boards, and I always say, 
take a marketer with you to your sales meetings. We can be quiet. Well, we try to be quiet. We try. <laughs> marketers, yeah, yeah, marketers are not great at being quiet. But I said, let me just be a, you know, sort of uh, just a, a little mouse listening in because that's how we as the marketers get to define really what is the story that we should be telling. And my preference is that we don't talk about our product until at least halfway through because we want to establish the historical currency with the person we're talking to. And then we can get to that. But even then, don't jump all the way into speeds and feeds. It's these use cases and solutions that we bring rather than here's the skew. Would you like to buy this? It's sort of the, you got to take me out on a couple of dates first. Tell me some good stories before, you, you know, you're asking me to, to get married. So um, I, I just think that though, that's what is natural and comfortable. So we have to push ourselves to make sure we know it's not about us. It's about yeah, that. Everyone talks about the customer experience. Like it's such a, an important thing and it is, but I don't know. I, I still find people, they just give it lip service. They still don't really understand. But for example, even when people talk about customer experience, they still are focused on acquisition. But if there isn't a business I, I, I know of that doesn't have some decent percentage of recurring revenue coming from existing customers. And we're always focused about the net next new logo versus trying to really care and feed and take care of the customers that we have. Why do you think that is? Well, I think we, again, there might be that sort of assumption that great, you're a customer, you've signed on the you know dotted line and we're good, let's move on. And I think we do forget, again, just like any relationship, right? You might be married for 30 years, but don't forget the flowers on Valentine's Day <laughs> because you still want to be nurturing and taking care of them. And, you know, currently um, at, uh, at my company, we've got a customer success team that is really measured on making sure that we are retaining our customers and making sure that they're happy and checking in. And it's just like when you lose an employee, we know how expensive it is to fill that spot, right? So when you have attrition, that's expensive. So we keep our employees happy by cultivating it and creating a culture. It shouldn't be any different than signing a customer and then being a partner to them along the way. And then, you know, the, the, greatest thing that can happen is that they're so happy that they become an expand opportunity. And, and even if it's not in the same business unit, they're so happy with us that they'll make the introductions and they'll show us who the buying power is and the other, you know, in procurement and, and whatnot. But um, again, I think it's the, we can't forget about the fundamentals. We're also measured on filling the pipeline, closing the deals. But the reminder of it's a lot more expensive to fill the gap of a current customer than it is to go and, and onboard a new one. It certainly is. Um, given all the things that I have to do in marketing now, uh, I was uh, thinking about compensation. So one of my colleagues, Sierra Summers, put, uh, posted a viral uh, post on LinkedIn yesterday. She's talking about how marketing should be paid as much as engineers. 
and like everyone's just like going crazy. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what do you think? Think should marketing be paid as much as anybody else in the company? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> because I'll tell you why. I feel like just by nature of the business, because we technically look like a cost center instead of a profit center, right? At, at sort of cursory glance, we're always in the hot seat. We are always the ones that have to explain what we're doing, why we're doing it, the decisions that we've made, because we do often spend money in order to make money. And so even though engineering obviously has has product costs and things, they're a little bit more sort of up up the funnel in the journey where then, you know, it becomes the, well, this is a good product. Marketing obviously didn't know how to market it as opposed to really looking at it again from the science and the art, it's a tough job to reconcile what product is doing, what sales is doing, what customer success. I find that we end up becoming kind of the epicenter. And you know, if things didn't go well, uh, thankfully this is not in my current situation, which is why I you know, had said to you earlier, I love my job. I love the appreciation that the company has for marketing, um, but it hasn't always been that way it, it, for me, you know, where it is, we're the easiest ones to blame. It's the easiest place to cut budget. This is hard, it's hard stuff. So absolutely, we should be compensated appropriately for what we're expected to bring to the org because it's a lot, right? The charter of marketing is not what it used to be when I started oh, 27 years ago, right? It was just tell a good story. Ah, oh, you know, no, those those were the days, right? <laughs> it's not anymore. Yes, way before the internet and email and social and all yes. those Yes, when you actually had to call people to get to them and the only advertising you could do was print and it was expensive. And if it failed, it failed. You couldn't take it back. So it's crazy. It's so, uh, so you're right now at the pinnacle of your career and you've uh, you reflected back to your the seventh grader that discovered PR for the first time. What would uh, what are some lessons? What would you tell her to do differently? <laughs> well, I would say, you know, especially in this day and age, okay, so let's say I was speaking to myself, but in 2022, it is really determining what part of marketing is interesting, as opposed to just sort of jumping in without kind of looking at everything that's out there, especially now. And that's why I always early marketers, I always recommend that they start out at an agency because an agency gives you exposure to so many different uh, accounts and account types. And when I started on the agency side, you know, little something called the dot com people started to come in and nobody really knew what to do with them. And I was really excited about it. So I got all the dot com accounts, which now looking back, it's like, oh, thank goodness, because now everybody's in, in digital. So I think it's really just making sure that you leave your options open because marketing, when you look at all the disciplines that fall underneath it, there's a million different things. 
And, you know, I think the other thing really from a career standpoint is I tell everybody now, you need to get strong relationships inside the company. And as marketers, sometimes we're kind of our heads down. We know what we need to do, but you need to lift your head up and be best friends with finance, be best friends with sales. The whole sales versus marketing, again, in my current situation, uh, me, sales and customer success, we're, we call ourselves the three musketeers, you've, you've, uh, which is so amazing. But focusing on those pure relationships, I think, are, is, is almost more important than making sure your manager thinks you're great. And I love, I'm such a mama bear. I love teams. I love cultivating teams, growing them, you know, but if you just worry about down and up and you forget side to side, it does make for a very lonely journey as a marketer. And I, that is one thing I learned a little bit later in my career that I wish I would have done a little earlier on. And it is such a wonderful lesson as I, you know, did start my, my new job was I'm super excited uh, about my team, but I got to get to know the guys and gals that are sitting to the left and the right of me at a uh, senior staff. Excellent. Excellent advice. So Hopefully we're coming out of this two-year period uh, just you know, between lockdowns and pandemics and things have changed a lot, digital's accelerated. If you had to make a couple of predictions about the next couple of years ahead, where do you think we're all going? <laughs> well, I do think that the world of hybrid is probably going to be the world we're going to be in for quite some time. I think we did see that companies were still able to excel uh, in a time where we did have to pivot and events became virtual and we had to get really creative and almost open up the toolbox of yesteryear, right? Direct mail. I mean, I, I was shocked of how many people ask me for my home address and I give it out, but that's how people are kind of getting to people. So I think that virtual side is going to stay. Um, I do think that there's still going to be a point where we are going to have to embrace some of the older tactics, because now that everybody did go into digital, we're pretty saturated. I, I mean, I'm, I can only imagine, you know, you yourself, how many cold emails I get every day. And I, you know, I commend their creativity, right? You've either been hit by a bull or you're not interested. <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe. Um, but I think that is going to push us to get super creative with our time, our spend, and our resources. And I don't think it's about building a, a you know, a hundred-person marketing team. It's about getting smart, creative, agile marketers who are willing to, as I said before, kind of fail fast and then exceed, understand the metrics, but then understand how to, let's try this. I've said to teams that I've managed for years of the, give me a lot of things to say no to. <laughs> just come, let's just talk about a ton of ideas and maybe only one of them is something that's super viable, but let's just get 
creative and maybe some of the guerrilla marketing tactics that were popular in the early, you know, 2000, 2010, maybe we find ourselves going back to some of those to get to hopefully get people looking up from their phones and their devices, as long as you're not my 14 and a half son, because the house could be on fire and I, you know, he would not know the wiser. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a comment. <laughs> I see yes. the video games, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, I totally get it. Great, great conversation today, Christy. Thank you so much for being on the program. Best of uh, luck and success at TeleSign in your new role. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care now. All right. Thank <laughs> you.